Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. According to a Google search that I did last night, there are 288 synagogues in the state of Florida. And I guarantee you that there are 288 congregations this morning hearing a Yom Kippur sermon that at the very least mentions Hurricane Ian. Rabbi Simon, as a hurricane season veteran, beautifully offered his take last night. As a novice and a new Floridian, I wanted to share my perspective, at least as a start. There are two hurricanes that I remember living through which I know is nothing compared to most of you here. I'm pretty sure that my first was Hurricane Kate back in 2003, which brushed past Connecticut during Sukkot. And I know it was during Sukkot because the hurricane lifted up our sukkah, which had tarp walls that acted like sails, and then dropped it where it fell to pieces. Sukkot are not built to stand up to that kind of thing. We built it back up the next day once the storm had passed. But last week, Hurricane Ian was something far more grave. It felt like a test to become a real Floridian. I had to pay close attention to evacuation orders. I had to learn about storm surge, which for someone who has never lived by the ocean before is both difficult and terrifying to imagine. I had to go through all of my belongings and pack only what I'd be devastated to lose. It was truly surreal. When the evacuation order for my zone went mandatory Tuesday afternoon, I left my home, not sure if my building would still have a roof or walls when I returned. I'm sure many of us in South Tampa and elsewhere went through very much the same process. And I know many, many people are still dealing with the after effects and will be for years to come. Luckily for me, a good friend, Brian, up in Carrollwood, reached out over the weekend to see if I had a place to go. I am so grateful to the Waxman family for welcoming me during this uncertain time with healthy distractions, good company, and almost too many snacks. Almost. The most wonderful part of that stay was that I never felt like a guest. I had my own space. I had free reign of the fridge, for better or for worse. 
and I was even able to help with some of the preparations for the storm. It felt like I belonged, that I was home, even though I wasn't sure that I'd have a home to go back to. It is truly awful that Ian even came close to coming our way. But I am so glad that I rode out this storm with friends. And I will readily admit that a big part of what swayed my decision to evacuate was knowing that it would make much better sermon material. <laughs> That's how you know I'm in the right line of work. Because really, what could be more important to any Jewish community than the topic of welcoming and belonging? These concepts have been at the center of conversations within Jewish organizations for a very long time, and even more so after so many synagogues were closed to in-person activities due to the COVID pandemic. In a scene that I imagine has played out again and again through thousands of years of Jewish history, exhausted and overworked Jewish professionals and lay leaders sit around a conference room table and ask, how do we get people to come through the doors of the synagogue? But I believe that's not the most important question. Once we get people through the doors, we need to give them a sense of belonging to and ownership of our holy community. How in the world are we supposed to do that? It starts with welcoming. Most synagogues describe themselves as warm and welcoming. A lot of them have it on their website. Here's a quote I, I just picked from a random one. It was from someplace called zedek.org as an example. The Bayit, the house that is Share Zedek, is not just a house, it is a home. As we pray together, learn together, and gather together, we love being together. Welcome home. Welcome to Share Zedek. So that, that's pretty good stuff. And whoever did the copy for that should be very proud of themselves. And I think we usually succeed at living up to that mission. Our community is effective at welcoming people in. There is always more we can do, but we do well at making sure people are met with a warm smile. And I know that when someone new walks through the door, there's always someone I can introduce them to, to show them the ropes, and help them feel a little bit more comfortable. But making people feel welcome is a constant, evolving process. And if we think we've already handled it, well, that's when we might start losing people. As an institution, as a community, we are always looking for ways to become a bit more like Abraham and Sarah's tent, which rabbinic tradition tells us was open on all four sides. So I want to use this opportunity, this moment in our High Holy Day experience to share about a few new initiatives that you can look out for to make sure that people feel comfortable navigating our space and rituals here at Share Zedek. First off, 
we're working on having babysitting at every Friday night service. We recognize that families with children face some challenges in making regular or even sporadic Shabbat attendance a reality. We don't want childcare to be a barrier to participation in congregational life. Now, please don't misunderstand. We love having little ones in our sanctuary. And whenever one of them toddles their way onto the bima, you're going to see me sitting there with a big stupid grin on my face. But there are degrees. Sometimes a kiddo will be really excited to be in services, but it's just a little bit too long for them. That's when we want to make sure that our parents have an option to bring their child somewhere under our roof where they'll be safe and cared for, while the adults and big kids can continue their prayer experience. Then everybody can come back together for the Oneg. Second, in the lobby, in the near future, you'll be able to find what we are calling our Shalom Station. The Shalom Station consists of kits filled with quiet activities and fidget toys proposed and assembled by our very own Lindsay Dewey, the indomitable Lindsay Dewey. These kits will be there for any of our service participants of any age to bring into the sanctuary. We know that kids and adults alike have a lot of different attention needs, particularly in stimulating spaces like this one. We're hoping these kits will help people stay engaged in services in a meaningful way. Whether it's neurodiversity, a kinesthetic need, or someone just having a hard time focusing, we want all of our congregants to have agency in how they experience our social and ritual spaces. Third, we are working on having reusable name tags available at temple events and encouraging people to wear them. In a congregation as large and diverse as ours, name tags can be a huge help in making things feel a little more intimate and making it easier to interact. Now, before I was a rabbi, I would sometimes forget people's names, and then I would feel awkward about it, and that would be kind of a barrier to connection. Now, of course, once I was ordained, I was blessed with the ability to remember every single person's name. But I recognize that not everyone has this superpower. It's another way of having everyone be more approachable. We believe that these are great ways to make our space more welcoming for all of us. And we're putting a lot of time and work into making them happen because we know how we want people to feel when they come here. The Hebrew way to say welcome to a guest is bruchim habaim, blessed are those who arrive. But we need to go further, both as an institution and as a community of individuals. Even when someone makes it through the door, is greeted with a smile and directed to the right room, they still might feel like a guest. We want people to feel at home. Rather than being blessed to be here, we want people to feel like their arrival is our blessing. The way we get there is going a step beyond welcoming, which is creating a sense of belonging.
Jody Bromberg, the CEO of 18 Doors, an organization that advocates for interfaith families and Jewish communities, illustrates it this way. If I'm welcomed into someone's home for a meal, I sit politely at the dinner table, waiting for someone to serve me and to take my dishes. But I'm not comfortable venturing into the kitchen on my own. It is the beginning of a relationship, the beginning of a journey together, but it's not yet my lived-in experience. If I belong in someone's home, well, I'm closer to family. I'm walking into the kitchen with my dishes and helping to clean up. I'm initiating conversations that are interesting to me, sharing my favorite foods or bringing a playlist to listen to during dinner. But those behaviors don't materialize overnight. The act of inclusion is a layered process that happens over days, weeks, months, and even years. Bromberg says that belonging is about building trust, ensuring that everyone in your community feels and knows that this is their place and that the community is open to being transformed by their presence. Our people, the Jewish people, have known what it feels like to be merely a guest, often an unwelcome one. The central experience in Jewish history is being estranged, and it feels really bad. For so long, we were a people without a home. And so the Torah tells us no less than 37 times, ve'ahavta et hager, you must love the stranger. That is more than any other commandment. And why must we love the stranger? Because we know the heart and soul of the stranger. Ahavat ger, the value of loving the stranger should be at the center of any understanding of Jewish tradition. And that means we have to figure out what it means and how to do it. I am convinced that loving the stranger goes beyond just welcoming them. It's about giving them a place where they don't feel like a stranger at all where they can be exactly who they really are and where they have a seat at the table. This isn't just our goal, but our responsibility, not just to provide a home, but also to provide shelter to those who need it. There are a lot of people today who don't feel like they have a home anywhere. This is a very lonely moment in our world. People have become separated by a lot of different things, by the pandemic, by violent weather, by polarized politics, by algorithms that incentivize conflict, and by being aware of a broader spectrum of identity than has ever been recognized before. And some of these identities are struggling for acceptance and even basic rights in our mainstream society. Here's one example among many. Our LGBTQ plus friends are really being put through the ringer right now in a lot of ways, like way more than I have time to go into. In particular, 
many of our teens and young people no longer feel safe sharing who they are at school. I don't know what it's like to have to hide something about who you are, but we know that the impact on mental health can be deadly. This is sensitive, but I think we need to hear and internalize this, that the suicide rate among LGBTQ plus teens is 1.5 to three times higher than their peers. These are lives on the line. Having a place to belong, a safe place to be yourself is as essential to human existence as breathing. And we know that there are a lot of people who feel left out because of the color of their skin, their gender, their beliefs, their physical abilities, or many other elements of identity. For each person created in the image of God, for the protection of human life, the highest Jewish value, we have an obligation to make this place a safe place. Edith Klein, president of Keshet, a Jewish LGBTQ plus rights organization, calls on us to ask these crucial questions that really can apply to anyone who enters our space, but particularly to those who have been excluded from other spaces. What do they see at our synagogue that tells them, I'm a part of this place? What do they hear that makes them feel, I can be myself here? What do they notice that helps them know, I am a part of the we of this community? Yom Kippur is the perfect time for us to start asking these questions in a deeper way than ever before as a synagogue and as a people. Warren Hoffman, editor of Warm and Welcoming, a book I hope that you'll add to your reading list, warns us of what could happen when we don't love the stranger. He writes, until everyone is fully welcomed and embraced into the Jewish community and made to feel truly at home, every individual, Jewish or not, who walks through your doors is a stranger. In that spirit, I have some questions of my own for us to ask ourselves in the year ahead. How can you and I, through our attitudes and actions, help move our community toward a place of belonging where everyone of any background or identity feels like they have a say? What can we do to make sure that every person who finds their way to Shari Zedek is met with love and curiosity rather than judgment? Can we commit ourselves in 5783 to never having a single person feel that they are a stranger here? Child care, fidget toys, and name tags are really just the beginning of a journey towards creating a deeper sense of belonging and respecting all people as whole people. Shari Zedek is truly a wonderful, warm, and welcoming community. 
The website doesn't lie. I have seen that we live out our values in many ways. And yet, there is still so much work to be done to fulfill our commitment to loving the stranger to the point that they are no longer a stranger. I am absolutely certain that our congregation, each of us, all of us, can commit ourselves to doing that holy work with energy and love. Kenya Hi Ratzon, may this be God's will.